Hello, you're listening to the Leeds Sanctuary podcast. Leeds Sanctuary is a network of communities in Leeds City Centre, each beginning with encounter and aiming to embody sanctuary and justice, through which individuals and our city can flourish. We hope you enjoy it. Hello, welcome to the Leeds Sanctuary podcast. I'm Sam and I'm the host of The Flourishing Stream. And today I'm joined by my colleague, Anna Bland, who's going to ask me some questions about our topic today, which is toxic positivity versus toxic negativity. Hello, everyone. Lovely to be with you today. So, Sam, I've got a few questions lined up for you um, about a topic that I'm really interested in learning a little bit more about. And I know that you've recently been doing some reading and some work on Um, So I wondered if you could start by giving us a definition of toxic positivity and toxic negativity and maybe some examples of what they might look like. So toxic positivity and toxic negativity are um, concepts which basically about um, our approach to life and how we deal with the stuff that happens to us on a day-to-day basis. So the example I'm going to give you is actually um, a situation where both could be involved um, and both in an unhealthy way. So when somebody gets into a relationship with another person and that relationship um, could be a very unhealthy relationship, it's not good for them um, and it's not going well. Toxic positivity could be used in a way to mask that. So somebody might sort of say to themselves, um, I think that this relationship's going to get better in the future. I'm sure that, you know, it's going to be okay. Um, and I'm sure that I can change this person. And if I just do all the right things, this relationship will improve, even if deep down that they kind of know that it won't. Now, the toxic negativity can come into the relationship when that person also says to themselves, well, I know this relationship's bad, but, you know, it's probably the best I can do. And it's kind of maybe what I deserve. Um, maybe they've had bad relationships in the past. Maybe, you know, their um, childhood um, and family relationships weren't healthy. And so it's what they expect and what they expect out of life. So they have this kind of negative outlook that basically says, I, I don't deserve better than this. So in both situations, um, the, the toxic positivity and the toxic negativity are just that toxic. It's unhelpful to that person and doesn't help them to grow or move forward. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It sounds like people kind of enter either, either way that we tend towards. We enter into a kind of vicious cycle um, that could take us further and further into that way of thinking and more and more negative patterns of behavior and negative ways of or not or um ways of thinking that are bad for us Mm. it's sort of dishonesty with ourselves like we're not really facing up to the truth of what the actual present situation is and that might be because we're deliberately masking that um with the positivity or it might just be very ingrained deep ways of thinking that that we're not good enough Yeah, and both of them sound incredibly um, harmful and that they might be quite hard to get out of. Yes, these things are not always easy. First of all, to recognise 
and then to do something about. So there's two there's two parts to it really. First of all, to recognise that they're even there, mm-hmm. because our thinking patterns are often habitual. Like you know, we all think in certain ways, and that's as a product of um, the things that have happened to us in the past. Generally, um, I mean, there's always a bit of um, uh, nature as well as nurture mm-hmm. and we are born with certain ways but but mostly most of these sort of things are created along the way through learnt behaviour patterns so they are quite difficult to spot because that's all we've ever known and sometimes it's our interactions with other people that can help us recognise that our own thinking patterns aren't helpful mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then to see somebody that has a healthier way of thinking can help us to recognise those things and maybe help us move forward and past them as well. Yeah, and I can just... I'm just thinking about it a little bit here that um, some of that could we could have learnt through modelling, but I can imagine that some of it might be um, learnt coping strategies. Um, if we've had difficult situations in the past, then actually... Um, and it, and one of these ways of thinking has has been had a self protective element to it. Then we can just we on some level we think this works for us. Yeah, I mean, it is often as a um, a form of coping with things, um, and those coping strategies. You know, I mean, we, we all use coping strategies in our day to day life all the time, and sometimes they can be really really helpful. But we also have these harmful coping strategies, ways of of not dealing with things by either burying them or um, just focusing on on the negative side of things. Um, And then it becomes incredibly unhelpful to us. So, um, yeah, being able to identify that as an unhelpful coping strategy can Mm -hmm. be um, a way forward. Yeah, yeah. And I often find with this stuff, just speaking for myself, that actually once you see it as that it can be easier to uh approach it and think about it differently because if you think oh well this was something that helped me to survive in the past and kind of thank that thought process like thank you that you were there for me at the times when i needed you to be but actually Mm. now you are no longer useful yeah um that just speaking personally that can be quite a useful way of thinking about it Mm. Uh, yeah i mean we, we often talk about compassion and having compassion for yourself and to understand that that you have done your best and that, that what you've done is wasn't wrong. It was just um, a learnt way of doing something, which, like you say, may have been useful at the time, but has now you know, outlived its welcome and mm-hmm. <laughs> it's time to move past that. Yeah. I wondered if there were any examples or, th- or places that you see this in our society today. Um, I think, I mean, yeah, throughout society, I'd say um, in terms of, of, you know, a very sort of negative view of the world, um, a a very negative aspect is often just the the way that the news is portrayed in the general media. So, you know, we watch the news and it's unfairly biased in terms of the negative stuff that happens. So we often get a really negative view of the world around us. We think crime is everywhere. That, um, that only bad things are happening. And, and it's sort of, it's a very difficult one to address because nobody really wants to watch 
little happy news stories about something lovely that happened because because we don't think of that as serious news for some reason that in our society and culture that the news has become a something that we only want to know what's going wrong mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um but that does skew our view of of the world because yeah we see it all as wars and earthquakes and we don't see the wonderful lovely things that happen on a day-to-day basis to to everybody yeah um you know and and good stuff is happening as much as bad stuff out yeah, there yeah, yeah. um in terms of positivity or negative or toxic positivity um i think social media is very responsible for that so there was a trend recently called that girl um and so it was sort of hashtag that girl and everybody was trying to be that girl and that girl would be like getting up at 5 a.m and exercising and drinking some green juice and living this perfect life and and lots of girls you know had this real struggle with trying to achieve that mm-hmm. And as a result of that, um, and people sort of pushing back against it, they, they developed um, hashtag goblin mode where people focused on, um, you know, really trying not to portray themselves in any sort of glamorous. In fact, the, the less glamorous, you know, you, you should be in your pajamas and fluffy slippers eating crisps in your bed, um, trying to make it, you know, your, and this was seen as sort of real. So this is people being real, whereas that girl is not real. But of course, like, neither of those things are true. Like, we can be both of those people on, on different days and different times of day. Mm. Um, and we might try to, you know, maintain our well-being by eating healthily or doing some exercise. There's nothing wrong with that. Not trying to achieve this sort of image of perfection, but um, equally, if we just spent our day slobbing around in bed eating crisps, that isn't going to be particularly good for us either. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, social media is a really interesting one where trying to maintain the balance of what we perceive as reality. <laughs> yeah, because that feels like a real ba- almost a battle between toxic positivity and toxic negativity. Like it perfectly encapsulated in these two hashtags that are sort of responding to one another. Um, and I think you're right. I think you see it a lot. You see lots of people who are seeking to portray a perfect aspirational lifestyle and then the real backlash against that of people portraying all of the negative things about their life and actually maybe what we don't see is something in the middle very often yeah i mean it, it, it'd be hard to imagine what that would look like in terms mm-hmm. of social media that, that we i think by the nature of it when we put something out on social media we consider how it's going to come across what the audience it's always about the audience and how this is going to be received and how many likes we're going to get as a result of that and so the the reality i mean for most of us is quite bland isn't it you know the most the majority of our day is kind of really quite uneventful speak for yourself (laughs) (laughs) you know with this you know like as, as I've sort of, you know, explained to people that happiness is a, is a thing, but it's not a continuous state. Mm. Nobody is happy all the time. Yeah. We have moments of happiness. And that's really nice. I like to see those on social media, that someone has had a happy moment, that something lovely has happened. And I don't think that that's portraying an, an unrealistic view of their life. It's just a snapshot. And, and as long as we can put that into perspective, why not have some nice positive things? Mm. But if we, if you're trying to say my whole life is like this all the time, 
then that's probably not going to be true <laughs> because, you know, there's also making yourself a cup of tea and going to the toilet and all the other <laughs> stuff that happens. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like probably not social media worthy. <laughs> we hope. Yeah. Well, you know. well, maybe we hope. <laughs> but yeah, you know, it's the, the banal, the, you know, a lot of life is quite banal. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not, it's like, the, you know, the same issue, I guess, with the news, that we don't want to watch the news and see banal. We don't want to read the papers and see something banal. We just, we just want the, the headlines, the exciting bits. And often the bad stuff is more exciting and in social media land, you know, we the, the nice stuff is more exciting. Yeah, and you can just so see that you... Um, something that I sometimes do is like, I read the news, I feel a bit sad, then I go on social media, and then I also... That doesn't make me feel any better because then I'm just slobbing around on the <laughs> sofa and everyone else is out with their friends. And so, like, the... You can see kind of... I, I can see in myself how those things have an impact on my mm. sense of well-being on a day-to-day basis Mm. but then go back through their feed and look how often they're out with their friends you know are they posting this every day Mm -hmm. are they they posting it all day every day or is it occasionally like you would be (laughs) yeah i guess it's just a question of like understanding the reality behind it and not Mm. being too influenced by that yeah um and just enjoying the benefits there's nothing wrong with social media in itself but yeah we just need to also take it with a bit of a pinch of salt i guess and I don't know, like I say, I come, in, I come back to that point. How do you actually portray reality? And, and should you? <laughs> Does anyone want to see it? And, it? and is the act of portraying it immediately taking away from the reality? Maybe we're getting too deep there. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's the observer's paradox. Yeah, exactly. You're like, you're putting something out there to be viewed mm. and therefore it is immediately skewed. Yes. Yeah, it's it's being consumed by other people, mm. so therefore it, it ceases to be the reality. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, we're getting too deep now. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm wondering what balance might look like and why should we be aiming for balance? Why should we be aiming for balance? So um, in terms of balance, I, I love this story that's like um, a Taoist story um, and it's about a farmer. So um, the farmer has a horse and one day his horse runs away and all the people of the village come to him and they say, oh, I'm so sorry this happened to you. You must be so upset. And the farmer just kind of goes, well, we'll see. And the next day the farmer's horse comes back and it brings with it 20 wild horses, which the farmer and his son managed to corral. And he now has 21 horses instead. So the people of the village come to him and they go, oh, this is wonderful news. Congratulations. You must be so happy. And the farmer kind of goes, hmm, we'll see. And then the next day, the farmer's son falls and breaks his leg really badly. And he can't work and, and help the farmer. So the people of the village come and they say, oh, this is such terrible news. You must be so upset. And the farmer just says, well, we'll see. And then shortly afterwards, the country goes to war and all the young men are conscripted and it's a terrible war and all the young men are killed. But because the farmer's son had a broken leg, he couldn't go and so he survived. So the people of the village come back and they say, oh, you must be so happy, congratulations. And the farmer just says, we'll see. And I I love this story because it just really reinforces to you that 
Good stuff happens to all of us, and bad stuff happens to all of us, usually in fairly equal measure. Okay, sometimes we go through patches of life where, you know, we might have a run of bad luck. But if we take our lives as a whole and actually survey those, generally, we will have good things and we will have bad things. And the secret is about not being too attached to any of those things Mm. and to accept the fact that they just are. That in that moment, something bad has happened or something good has happened. But it doesn't define us. It doesn't define our lives. It's just something that has happened. So I think that 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 story just like really kind of reinforces that point that no matter whether good stuff's happening or bad stuff's happening, life will just keep continuing. There is always a dot, dot, dot at the end of every event. Like it will just continue. The only full stop is death at the end of life. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But apart from that, everything else will just pass and we'll just keep continuing. I like that story. The only question I have is, it does sound a bit like the farmer doesn't have much joy or sorrow <laughs> in his responses to these things. Like, I agree with the sort of, the, the idea behind it. I think it's really good. Yeah. But... That's... Taking pleasure in the good yeah, stuff. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Like... <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. And I think, you know, again, like, I guess in terms of toxic positivity or toxic negativity, we're not hearing that the farmer is saying when the bad stuff happens, oh, you know, it's so unfair that this bad thing's happened to mm-hmm. me. Um, and oh, bad stuff, or, you know, always happens to me. He's just accepting the bad. But equally with the good, um, he's not kind of, you know, he, he, I'm sure he would take some joy in, in something that that's good has happened, but he's not kind of going, this defines me, this defines mm-hmm. my life, because it won't last. And I'll enjoy the happy moment in that moment. But going forward, who knows what's going to happen next? Yeah, so it's not about not feeling our emotional responses to things. It's about not adding a layer of meaning to them that isn't there. Yes. Mm -hmm. It's just uh, treating it with an even mind and knowing that that these things happen. All stuff happens and and keeps happening and different stuff will happen to us. Um, But, yeah, absolutely, like, you know, to to not celebrate life successes would be sad. (laughs) So I don't think it is saying that. But more just that, you know, it's about keeping an even mind and not to sort of say you know, I'm a great person because this great thing's happened and mm-hmm. my life is so perfect and I need to share that on social media immediately because uh, everything's so great. <laughs> because mm-hmm. sure enough, quite soon it'll all drop off a cliff again. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm wondering if there are any strategies that you've found through the work that you do in your role as wellbeing practitioner that you've um, that you suggest to people that you've seen working yourself. Yeah, so I, I like in terms of we were talking about coping strategies. I like this very simple question: Is this helping me or harming me? And it's just a simple question to be asking yourself whenever you find yourself in some kind of habitual way of thinking or acting. Sometimes, you know, that question, the answer to that question might be, you know, yes, this is what I need right now. I need to be doing this. But sometimes you will look and think, actually, I keep doing this thing and it's my protective mechanism. But in the long run, this isn't beneficial to me. And it can be so many different things. It can be, you know, do I need another glass of wine <laughs> or I don't know, all sorts of things that um, that people might use 
as these sort of temporary coping strategies. Mm. You know, hiding yourself away. I mean, grief is a, is a really good example of it. Um, so when people grieve, they use various ways of coping with that. And it might be staying away from people or it might be going out and seeing lots of people. But ultimately, we have to kind of look at ourselves and go, mm, you know, is this helping me move forward and through it? Or am I finding myself stuck in a rut that I'm not <clears throat> developing from? Mm. And like, and I agree that that is the key thing, isn't it? And in my experience, it's much easier said than done because mm-hmm. we often, it can be hard to understand our motivations mm. in the moment. But I guess it's about seeing patterns in our behaviour and our thinking in difficult times as well as in really positive times. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So that's, you know, that question I, I think is very useful. You know, simply, is this helping me or is it harming me? Another one is, you know, one that I, I guess a lot of people refer to in well-being circles as gratitude. But I, I prefer to think of it as just choosing where to focus your attention. So when life happens there is always some good and some bad at the same time and we have a choice in life whether to focus on those bad things and really indulge them or to see the other stuff around us the good stuff and sometimes when we're in a really difficult situation that can be really really hard thing to do you know to actually open our eyes and go not everything is terrible here that there are some good things i can find happiness I can find moments of joy um, again going back to the example of grief even in the middle of grief people laugh people find happiness with other people you know those moments are still there it's not you know all consuming but we need to accept them and allow them so choosing where to focus your attention choosing to see the positives and as I say, that it's a tough one. It can be a really, really tough one. But it is all with, you know, within us to do that. Mm-hmm. And I guess that, you know, again, a lot of that is, you know, the toxic negativity where people choose to focus on the negative. Choosing to focus on the negative and choosing to see, um, you know, to say things like, my life is always terrible or, you know, these bad things always happen to me. It's not the truth. But but some people get stuck in that rut. Yeah, and I guess the other way as well, based on that logic, based on ta- taking too much meaning from the positives in our lives, that we kind of don't really look at maybe the more negative stuff going on. Or I'm I'm imagining that could be the flip side, the toxic positivity flip side. So I like the analogy of a glass that's half full or half empty, and we often use this analogy, and we use it in a very simplistic kind of way. But I think it's it's a lot more complicated than that. So if somebody was to say, yeah, do you see this glass as half empty or half full? I'd say, well, give me a context because without a context, it, it's meaningless. So if the context was that I was very, very thirsty and I needed a glass of water really badly, I really wanted a drink, and somebody gave me half a glass of water, I'd be really miffed. I'd be really annoyed about that and upset and sad and maybe a bit hurt And all those feelings, if I pretended that they didn't exist and I just went, oh, yeah, that's great, thanks, I've got half a glass of water, I should be really grateful for this, 
I'm burying those feelings. And so that's toxic positivity. I'm just not dealing with my negative feelings. But if I acknowledge them and I say to you, look, you know, I did ask for a full glass of water. I'm a bit upset about this. Um, and this is how I feel. Now I've dealt with those feelings then. So acknowledging the feelings is not the same as, as wedding yourself to those feelings. If you, if you attach too much to those feelings, then I would just be like, and I'm really upset and you only gave me half a glass of water and now I'm really fed up. But if I acknowledge them and then I move past them, then I can say, okay, right. So, you know, I'm annoyed about the, you know, the half glass of water, but thank you for getting me some water anyway. And I'm really glad at least I've got some water, which is better than nothing. And some people don't have any water. So now I'm going to focus on the positives and I'm going to move forward and, and move on. Because often once we confront those feelings, the negative ones, we can just move past them a lot more easily. Burying things down and not dealing with them is not going to be helpful to us in the long run. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I know that this is like really extending this, this, this <laughs> <laughs> metaphor of this glass of water, but I, I really like it. I, I, I remember this a lot in my own life. Like if I'm, if I'm bothered by something, I have to deal with it. I have to confront it. I bring it up. I deal with it. And then once it's dealt with, then I move on and, and I can be happy and I can see the good stuff. And that's where you achieve balance, really. Mm-hmm. So that's basically our, you know, strategies for dealing with um, finding balance in our lives and not mm-hmm. attaching too much to the positive or the negative. Yeah. Great. Thank you, Sam. Thank you very much for today. Um, so thank you for chatting with me and thank you everyone for listening. Um, let us know if you've enjoyed our podcast and if you uh, feel that there's somebody that this might be useful for please do share and we are on Facebook Instagram and Twitter at Lead Sanctuary